On today's Stuncast, we review The Sight of Paradise. When the Enterprise crew visits a planet bombarded by deadly radiation, Kirk is upset that colonists who live there aren't all dead. As he tries to evacuate the planet, the crew is sexually assaulted by plant spores that give you perfect health and a sense of euphoria. Will Kirk be able to destroy this idyllic society? Will Spock get in touch with his feelings? Will McCoy find the ingredients for the perfect mint julep? Find out on Set Podcast to Stun! Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint the Q, joined by Emily Gowron, and Centurion Corey. Hello, hello. All right, well, I'm excited to talk about this episode. How about you guys? (sighs) Emily, what's wrong? The Klingon homeworld is so far away, and I am stuck here. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear you're not feeling too well. I got you a flower to cheer you up. Klingons do not care for so- Ah, what a beautiful specimen of nature and harmony. Good, well, I'm glad you're feeling better. Are you ready to record? Ah, yes, comrades. Well, Clint, that was the skit. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are awesome. You guys performed it well. All right, guys. So this week we are reviewing this side of paradise. Corey, what'd you think of this episode? Thumbs up or down? I really like this episode, actually. I'm going to give this one big T.S. Eliot thumbs up. Nice. Nice. (laughs) What about you, Corey? Or not Corey, Emily. I really like this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Uh... Emily, what about you? You know, I didn't love it while I was watching it, but I, I'm i going to give it a tepid thumbs up. I liked it. A limp thumbs a up. A limp. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Emily. I'm going to give it a half-hearted thumbs up as well. I thought it started out strong, and then it just kind of petered out. I thought, petered out like a cloud of pollen. Yeah, it's allergy season. <laughs> That'd be hilarious if someone was just miserable because they have allergies they're just allergic to these plants they're like i don't get what it is i can't breathe through my nose and that's a good segue into uh setting up this episode Corey, take us away all right gather around my uh phaser induced glowing rock campfire here (laughs) and i'll tell you the tale of the enterprise in paradise what's the name of the episode this side of paradise which is this side of the name of an F. Scott Fitzgerald novel, by the way. And when I said oh. T.S. Eliot earlier, that's absolutely what I meant in- instead. <laughs> Some 90-year-old dead author who gives I a did, shit. F. Scott Fitzgerald did have a book named This Side of Paradise that's about like a college kid, basically, I think, at Princeton. It doesn't really have anything to do with this, but there was a poem that was very famous at the time called tr tahiti and it's basically about world war one and how everybody dies and so they're talking about paradise and all this great stuff and the closing lines dive and double and follow after snare and flowers and kiss and call 
with lips that fade and human laughter and fa faces individual. Well, this side of paradise, there's little comfort in the wise. So it's basically like paradise may exist, but knowing it doesn't help us. Mm. Mm. That's very apropos with where the episode's trying to go. Yeah, I felt like that was the yeah. uh, that was the message of this episode. Also, it has flowers in it, which this episode also has flowers and in it. lips. Yep, I think everyone in this episode has lips. I'm so sick of TV shows that feature everyone having lips. When will they finally represent humans the way science wanted us to be? Nay, the way God wanted us to be. Lipless, like chickens. Just gaping maws. <laughs> of sh rows upon rows of teeth. So anyway. So yeah, you guys ready to jump into this episode? <laughs> Corey's like, what have I done? Okay. So the episode opens with the Enterprise approaching a planet called Omicron Seti 3. Spock and Kirk are talking about that like there's a situation down on the planet. There's 150 colonists down there, but they know that the planet has been exposed to something called Berthold rays. <laughs> like they talk about Berthold rays a lot, but they never understand what they are. It's kind of like the way we talk about carcinogens. Like we know something is a carcinogen, but we don't know why. We don't know why it does this. You know, we don't understand why our bodies would do that. And Berthold rays are kind of like this scientific mystery to them. And I like that. We don't see that too much in Star Trek, especially in the one so far. So that's been kind of cool. Yes, Bach was saying it's like something relatively new. Mm -hmm. I think it's supposed to kill you in like a week, right, Corey? Yeah, if you're exposed to it for more than a week. So like it, it's very lethal and I, it's like it's something that comes from outer space. So it's hitting the entire planet. And Spock doesn't personally believe that anyone's still alive down on Omicron SETI 3. And Uhura is trying to contact the planet down there, but nobody's responding. So Kirk decides that there's going to be an away mission to go check out what's going on the planet, um, assuming that everybody is dead. But mm -hmm. yeah, they have one week to to find out what's going on. They transport down to the Bonanza set. I mean, Omicron. <laughs> Corey, I had the exact same note. Literally, I said into someone's backyard or the exact same Bonanza set. Oh, boy. It's because like in the, in the 1960s, every other movie on television was a Western. So mm -hmm. if they're trying to find some sort of cheap location to go film at, like their their options are pretty darn limited. I don't know. Were they going to go to Gilligan's Island, you know, and have, a, <laughs> have an episode? Or like you can obviously tell they're in the Brady Bunch house. I wonder if like in 40 years they'll say that about like the WB backlot or something. Like you know there are studios where they build little fake neighborhoods that they use for all kinds of things. So the filming location it's called Golden Oak Ranch but it's otherwise known as Disney Ranch. It is an 890 acre movie ranch mm. owned by Disney obviously and there were a lot of movies filmed there and a lot of tv shows like just to name a couple and when I, when I name some of these you'll be like oh yeah that was filmed there so like dwight schrute's farm was at this ranch oh yeah, oh yeah you called it old yeller was filmed there oh yeah <laughs> okay all right the Apple Dumpling Gang, Pirates of the Caribbean was like a lot of Disney movies. Wait, were Pirates there. of the Pirates? Caribbean? Well, not the whole movie, but there are parts of it filmed there. Oh, yeah. What parts are on okay. a farm? The Back to the Future, the first one where they crash into that pine farm at the start of the movie when he first goes back to 1955. Oh, the... yeah. It's like twin pines. And then he no, crashes. No, fuck you, Clint. You no, know, no, you no I'm serious, though. Me anymore. 
it's like twin pines and then he cr- crashes into one of the pines and then in the next shot it's like lone pine mm. uh, mall okay i remember that yeah. but what about yeah. i still haven't what part of pirates of the caribbean is filmed on the farm the outdoor ones that look like they're at a farm or a ranch i don't remember it. just watch watch the entire oh my pirates god please do not ever make me franchise. do that again it's probably not in the first one because I don't remember anything like that. I remember... Holes was filmed there. Oh, Holes. that makes sense. Anyway, and that's the end. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you remember those horrible Herbie films, like The Love Bug, Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo. Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch those? Like Herbie Fully Loaded. I thought that was a cartoon. No, that had Lindsay Lohan in it. Yeah, that it was based off the cartoon. No, it was live action. Okay, okay. May I continue? Yeah, go for Please. it. Please. So they beam down to SETI Alpha 3. I'm sorry, Omicron SETI 3. Persei, SETI Persei 8. What is it in Futurama, Clint? Yeah. Omicron, Perse- <laughs> Omicron Persei 8. And they're looking around and it's it's like a ranch. It's supposed to be 1880s America kind of setting. And Kirk's musing about how all these poor colonists came all this way to die because they don't see anybody. When suddenly a voice behind the away party is like, hardly. And then <gasps> there are these three men in green jumpsuits. And then there's a dramatic music and it cuts to the first commercial. It's all very exciting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I actually kind of love that they're standing around talking like, where is everybody? It's so sad they died. And then, yeah, it's just surprise. We're right here. Did you? I don't know if it was just my computer, but did you guys have some like weird audio fuck ups in the episode? You know, did you guys catch anything like that? It was when like, the lady was talking. No, you're exactly right. Like when the lady was talking, it almost sounded like she was talking in reverse. Like there's a weird cadence, you know, you hear like on television shows when yeah. people are talking in reverse, and she sounded she sounded like she was talking in reverse. She had that like weird cadence to her voice. If I tell you how we survive. Will you try to understand how we feel about our life here? About each other? Oh, weird. I didn't notice that at all. And then she had this weird soft filter. We'll talk about her more later. But that really annoyed me, too. Yeah. That she was, like, filmed completely different than anyone else there. Uh, well, that's because she is different. She's Spock's ex-boo. Yeah, that's coming up here real, real soon. So, the leader of the colony, his name is Sandoval. And he's like, hey, it's great to see all of you. Sorry we didn't contact you when you first came to the planet. Come and see our our colony farm, which is always a very suspicious thing for anybody to say to an away team in Star Trek. Sorry we didn't respond to you. It's a cult. (laughs) No problem. Like, no, there was no reason for that. We just didn't feel like it. Spock kind of quickly reminds Kirk that these people should all be dead. Like, there's no reason any of them should be alive Mm -hmm. or, you know, as cheery as they are. And that they only have a week. But so Sandoval takes the, sorry, Sandoval takes the away team to his house where they meet Layla. And I wasn't sure. Was Layla his daughter? No. I don't, no? She was okay. just she like just their lived. botanist. Yeah. I, yeah. Why was she at Sandoval's house? I don't know. It's never really explained. She just walks into his house and he's like, ah, here's Layla. And I was like waiting to hear my daughter. But no, nope. She's... I think they they just live in a platonic, idyllic society. I don't think there was any, like, sexual tension. Or maybe they're all polygamists or something like that. I, I kind of like that idea of 1950s America where you just, like, knock on someone's door and, like, open it. And, you know, they're like, oh, hello. And you guys have a chat. And then yeah. you leave and you go to the next house. I mean, I like that idea, you know? except that 
when I'm at home, I'm never wearing like real clothes or a bra. So I'd be like, great. Well, now you've seen my ass because my pants have holes in it and I'm not going to bother to fix that. And I haven't brushed my hair all day. So cool. Do you want a beer? Last weekend, my my partner and I decided that we were just going to get on our bikes and just go visit people without knocking. Oh, I mean, without telling them that we were coming over. <laughs> you weren't going to break and in. And I swear to God that we visited two people. And in both cases, when I knocked on the door and they opened it, both guys, they're both in their boxers. <laughs> and, you know, it's like 2 p.m. Yeah. So like, why get dressed if you don't have to, you know? No, we've really lost something in America where we don't we don't do that anymore. So whoever she is, we meet Layla for the first time. Clint, so she's like a, a botanist? I think so. I, I, I remember him saying like, oh, this is our botanist. And anyway, we get like a dreamy close up on her and there's a few flute music playing. And she's staring at one of the members of the away team, but we don't know who it is. In our minds, we're like, oh, she's staring at Kirk. Mm. Mm, but surprise. But then the camera cuts and she's staring at Spock. She's staring at Spock. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, Spock, it's nice to see you again. And then he doesn't say she anything. She gets back to her. a real intense lady boner. Like, really? <laughs> I think this is why Kirk, Spock, and Bones joined Starfleet because I don't think there's a woman on Earth like the three of them haven't had a relationship or fucked. Right? How many times have we seen episodes where, like, they just visit a random planet and it's one of their exes? It's like every single Quite episode. And if it's not their ex, it's because she's married, but still wants to fuck Kirk. Yeah. But, you know, it's never made clear in this episode what their relationship was, because clearly there was something. Like, it's kind of implied that she loved him, like, when they met at Starfleet on Earth or wherever they met, and he didn't reciprocate. But I don't know. It seemed like there was a little bit more to it than that. What did you pick up on? I thought they dated, like, they used to date, but he just, like, is a Vulcan about it. So, like, he's like, yes, I will date you, but I will not have feelings for you. Yeah, I I think that's what it was. Like, she, I thought it was kind of like an unrequited love situation. Hmm, interesting. Kirk hasn't revealed why they're really there yet. He just says, like, they're going to do some standard medical checkups on everybody. Like, the whole space proctologist thing that we've talked about before. Everyone's like, yeah. Sandoval's like, yeah, go ahead. Go check out what you need to check out. And then the away team goes and investigates the colony to find out what the heck's going on here. Sulu notes that there's no animals on the planet. And shortly after that, Spock reports that, yeah, there's not only are there no animals, but there's no insects. There's no um, birds. There's no animals. There's only plants. And then and then the colonists and the away team. Those are the only living life forms on the yeah, planet. Yeah, but I, I, I have a big problem with this where they go... There's no pigs, no cows, not even a dog. And I'm like, why the fuck would you take a dog if you're going to, like, colonize a planet? Like, pigs, cows, I get. But, like, what is a dog doing? Why wouldn't you dog bring milk. a dog? I mean, for companionship. But in a situation like that, you're going to be like, I spent 60 pounds that I could have put on food on my friend, and now I have to eat him. But what if you want to, like, you need a dog to, like, herd some sheep? But, I mean, apparently they didn't take any sheep. No, they took all these things. They the, there was a full register of all these animals, but oh, they're all really? gone. But the barn is empty. If there yeah. are no insects, how did this dead animals presumably decompose? There's no bugs to eat their body. Now that is an excellent question. How right? did the plants get pollinated without pollinators? That was I was going to ask is how do all these plants 
pollinate with each other. I guess they they evolved in an environment where there's no bugs, so they have to... Don't think about it too hard, they fellas. Just, yeah. They just live on tomatoes, because tomatoes are self-pollinating. My... <laughs> My note says, they're vegetarians. That's why I hate them. No. Oh, Don't make this about you and me, Clint. <laughs> You're a vegetarian, Emily? Yep. I know you'd never know it. I seem so normal. You're definitely not as happy as these people. <sighs> um, the investigation starts, and everyone on the away team, uh, I'm sorry, McCoy starts to check out everybody's health, and he finds it odd that everybody, all the colonists, seem to be in perfect health. Um, what's even weirder is he looks through the medical logs and he finds out that Sandoval has, he had an appendectomy a couple years back, so he shouldn't have an appendix. But now when McCoy does his check, suddenly he does have an appendix. So what the heck is going on on this planet? It's like Crazy. the, uh, the dog that didn't bark. What? I think it's like a Arthur Conan Doyle or a Agatha Christie book or something. But the key to the mystery of like the murder is that the dog didn't bark. And so that's how they knew who the murderer was. It's like this famous plot. Because the dog knew the person. Yeah, the right? dog knew that's the person. Yeah. And so. That means Sulu's the murderer. Sulu was actually supposed to be the star of this episode. What? But... Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. He took a real backseat. He did. I would have loved he it did. if he was the star because his whole bit, he like leans against a fence post really awkwardly and he's like, I'm a city boy. And then they have these weird flowers right by him, which was a nice little bit of foreshadowing. When I saw that, I'm like, oh, man, I know these flowers are going to ha have something to do with it. Yeah, because they just really stood out from the rest of the scenery. I like the way they did that. So... They're like, okay, what's going on here? Not only is everybody not dead, but they're all in perfect health. And we should also mention that they're pretty blissed out, too. They're all pretty like, hey, it's great here. We love it here on this planet. We're all super happy. We are of so, the body. Are you of the body? Yeah, you definitely get those vibes from this episode, except they're not so dedicated. They're just like super happy. They're not um, They're not like cult-like. But Kirk finally tells Sandoval, like, Listen, we were here. We were sent here because of these rays that are cooking your planet. You guys should be dead. You're not. I don't know what's going on, but we are evacuating everybody. And um, Sandoval is like, I'm not going anywhere, and we're not going to cooperate. So <laughs> it's such a like they so for so long they too like deliberately don't talk about it. In my notes, I said, Oh no, it's no one talking drama. <laughs> Just like my parents growing up. <laughs> <laughs> and. Clint, I want to refer to our captain's log we did where we talked about the transporter mm -hmm. and how it's uh, underused. Listen, in this situation, I'd be like, okay, no, you are coming with us. Scotty, prepare to beam, what, 50 people on the ship against their will? Yeah. Zoom. All right, let's go. You know? <laughs> That's it. Yeah, but, you know, Starfleet has principles like bodily autonomy. And and just bombing the hell out of planets. Yeah. Until they do what you want. Spock's all by himself. Layla, the person he used to have a history with, um, corners him. And she's like, I'm, I'll tell you how we survived on this planet if you come with me. And Spock begrudgingly follows. And she leads him to a flower. It's a sex trap. <sighs> that was some good Foley work. <laughs> yeah, the clop, flower clop, shoots. Clop, clop. <laughs> <laughs> ah! 
All right. Why don't you guys just get it all out of your system? Let's no, make our best flower exploding liquid all over Spock's face noise. All right. On three, right? Everyone at the same time. One, right. two, three. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Spock goes down immediately once his face gets blasted. Um, he's having like this internal struggle, struggle, but then he calms down and he smiles at Layla, grabs her hand and says, I love you. Kirk at this point is like, I'm, we're getting the hell off this planet. And he's like, where's Spock? No one knows where Spock is. He's having a great time. Also, you said that it wasn't cult-like, but she says to him after he gets jizzed in the face, she says, now you belong to us and we to you. There's no need to hide your inner face any longer. We understand. This has to be some sort of like, yeah, swinger cult or like polyamorous cult. I have I have a theory. I'll save it for the end, though. All right, great. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of getting there. So Kirk is tr- trying to find Spock. He calls Spock on the communicator. And it's like, it leads to like the best part of the scene or the episode. I don't know if anyone wants to take on the cloud gazing thing. Because that's all I wrote in my notes. But I really loved it. I love that part. He's really like carefree and artsy. And he's like, I'm going to climb a tree. And that cloud looks like a dragon. Also, I was like, what the hell? He has seen a dragon. He's like, I saw a real dragon on this planet. I'm like, what the fuck? What do you mean? Can he know what a dragon looks like from? I mean, why do dragons exist in this universe? They don't exist, but they exist in books and stuff. No, he says he saw a dragon on a planet. Yeah, he says he saw it. Oh, I missed that part. That's crazy. Yeah. What? That's insane. Okay. <laughs> I know. Continue. So, Continue. <laughs> On with your amazement. So Spock is like totally, he's totally in this society now. He's holding hands with Layla. They're kissing. He is ignoring all of Kirk's orders. He's being like sassy with him. He's like, no, we're not going to evacuate all this off, off this planet. Leave me alone. I don't want to. And so Kirk marches over to see him. Yeah, and he's just hanging from a chi, right? He's like giggling. He apparently that scene was pretty improvised. It wasn't in the script. They just saw that this this tree was uh, hanging between two other trees, like it'd fallen over. So Spock, Leonard Nimoy was climbing it, so they just filmed it. But he's just having a great time on it, and he's like doing pull ups, and Layla's like clapping and laughing, and they're just they're really enjoying themselves. And Kirk is, uh, it's a pretty great scene, but he's like, come with me. And then Spock still refuses. He's and so Kirk, angry. He's so angry that his orders aren't being followed. Yeah, he's like, what the? He even goes as far as arresting Spock. And Spock's like, okay, you can arrest me. And then he's like, I'll go with you. And Spock leads Kirk, Sulu, and some other dude to this to the flowers. And the flowers suddenly spray everybody. And everybody's infected. Except for Kirk. Except for Kirk. Yeah. And I guess we can talk about why he wasn't infected. I thought he just had plot armor, but I think there was another reason. Because nobody jizzes on my face. <laughs> I, wa- I thought it was plot armor. Like, he stayed back enough to where he didn't get jizzed on, but he was still, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was still plot armory. Well, we find out later that the way to inoculate yourself against the, the spores is to have really strong emotions. No, and it's I to be that- angry. 
Well, well, you can be really sad too because Layla was really sad at the end that Spock was breaking up with her, and that kicked her out of the. You just have to have a strong emotion. Oh, okay. I thought I think it was negative emotions though. At the time when Kirk got sprayed, he was super pissed off at Spock. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. thought that that kind of shielded him a little bit. That's a good observation. Kirk is on his own, right? I just want to talk about this part. Kirk yeah, is on we're, his own. Yep. Yeah. And then he's he, all by, like everyone is infected. Everyone yeah. on the ship, everyone down on the planet, he's all by himself. And then he runs into Bones, and Bones is super happy, and he's like slurring his speech, and he's acting drunk and talking to him. And I thought it'd be funny if Kirk was just—he just said, "Oh, thank God, Bones, you're acting normal." <laughs> <laughs> I'm acting all drunk and slurring his speech. Bones has a Southern accent. He has a. He has a Georgian accent. Yeah. That's why he asked for the mint julep. Like, where the hell did that come from? I was no one else developed an accent. Thing. Maybe he stifles it when he's not uh, drunk on on pollen. And good vibes. Oh. Yeah. Like a lot of Southern actors who want to get some work in Hollywood, so they try and shed the accent because it has some negative connotations. Mm-hmm. Wait, who's done that? Oh, everybody's done it. Daniel Craig. He let his Southern accent fly what? in knives out yep that's yeah. not elijah his wood. real accent you guys are totally fucking with me right now <laughs> no elijah woods from the panhandle like i've heard him do accent or um interviews in florida in the north and you can't understand a word he's saying oh that's hilarious i'll have to look that up what? oh uh who's the guy that played harry potter no Dan- daniel radcliffe, daniel radcliffe. Yeah, daniel radcliffe is radcliffe. british he was from southern mississippi Stop. Yeah. I no. moved to hollywood I that's hate you 100% so much correct. <laughs> so my question is bones's mccoy's mission after this is to get find a mint julep my question is like does he already have bourbon on him and also do you like i didn't i don't not super familiar with mint juleps are they just made from bourbon and other stuff right but bourbon's the main alcoholic ingredient okay emily i know you can confirm this one yes of course bones has bourbon on him are you kidding he probably has several emergency flasks so he's like patting himself down like someone forgets their keys and he's like oh thank god that one's not empty um and two a mint julep is bourbon sugar mint and crushed ice mm-hmm and you muddle yeah, and the you, mint. You, yeah. Yeah, you put the mint in the bottom and mm. then the sugar tears it up. However, it does not look like that's what Bones did. It looks like he poured a bunch of bourbon into a glass and then he stuck about 60 pieces of mint in the top. Because he couldn't even like find the lid of the glass. It was just covered in this forest of mint. Did you guys see that? Well, that's because yeah. he's just drinking straight bourbon. But if anyone asks, he wants to be like, no, darling, it's a julep. Can't you smell the mint? And he like wafts the top at them. He has to breathe through the mint, so you... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a real cold Georgia-style mint julep. So Kirk is trying to get McCoy's help, but McCoy's not interested at all in helping him. And um, Kirk goes to Spock, who's having tea with Sandoval. And Spock's like, yeah, so the flowers thrive on Berthold rays. They take in the rays, and then they create these spores, and then they use the humans as hosts. And in return, they give the humans this sense of peace and happiness and perfect health. And like, obviously Kirk hates this because it's an artificial happiness. He's like, man stagnates without challenge or pain. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I hated this so much. And we've, we've heard this line before in a couple of episodes, like man needs difficulty and hard experiences in order to grow. And I think we're going to have some words in the end of whether or not Kirk ruined a great thing for everybody. (laughs) Yes. But, (laughs) 
Kirk goes back up to his ship and he he finds out the Uhura before she beamed because everyone's beamed down to the planet to join the colonists in this blissed out life. They, didn't they like beam some plants up so they'd start jizzing on people, right? Yeah. And he he yeah. said it got like in the vents. So I think they beamed the plants up and it got all up in everyone's nose cavities and then everyone got all blissed out. Yeah, he is absolutely the only person that hasn't been infected. He can't contact Starfleet. And he can't really use the ship. I didn't understand that because he knows how to fly the ship. But, but I don't think you can pilot it by yourself. We've seen in TNG that you could pretty much pilot it by yourself. But I don't. I think back then, like one person couldn't do it by themselves. I also think they sabotaged. Didn't he say they sabotaged all the communications equipment so that he couldn't call for help? He yeah. could only talk to the planet. Yep. He has a he has a line while he's on the bridge by himself. Um, and it's kind of a sad little scene because the camera just cuts to all the empty stations and the lights are down. I don't know why the lights are down. He could have just turned them up. I think he did that to make himself a little sadder. <laughs> but he also does a really sad kind of monologue as a captain's log by himself. And he says, I'm marooned without a crew. I don't know what I can offer against paradise. Oh my <laughs> and then suddenly God. he sprayed again in the face by the flower jizz. I thought that was hilarious. It like snuck up on him and then jizzed in his face. Yeah. <laughs> I like, um, and I just want to say about these this scene one he was like computer set mood level to sulking <laughs> how could this happen to me all by myself give me like the opening of bridget jones diary <laughs> he's just singing karaoke <laughs> this always makes me feel better dancing also, like, Ohura's, like, baby blissed out voice was really doing it for me. I thought it was very attractive. Ew. Gross. Keep that to yourself. <laughs> I don't ever want to hear what fills is the ship to your Kirk. We do have, speaking of Shatner, though, we do get a really good, like, classic Shatner speech. He has a bit where he goes, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. All one color. No key to fit it in. Why? like... <laughs> finally i've been waiting for these and we finally got one it was great yeah there's some in the last episode too i think the character's starting to develop yeah he's starting to develop that that cadence and so he gets jizzed on right and then he calls spock and he's like i am one of you i understand now he's like great jim come on down and then kirk says oh i gotta i gotta go pack first and then what he packed is like extra captain's shirts. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I was wondering so why you weird. need extra captain's shirt. Everyone else wears a uniform, right? Like he just has a bunch of extra sh- like shirts. I think he grabs a medal or something. Well, else, he like, I looks, just thought that was hilarious. He like looks at the medal and that's how he knows that he can't do this and he can't be happy. He has to fight the jizz oh, flower, but we're never, yeah. they never tell us what that metal is for, or what the significance is or anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just says star baker on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've seen, I don't know if we've talked about packing in Star Trek before. Have we like the stupid suitcase that Picard has? <laughs> I fucking Data love has. the suitcase. The like tiny <laughs> the plastic cylinder. Tiny little thing that everything fits in somehow. It's so dumb. It's such a dumb gag. I love it. I, I love, yeah, when Data was packing in the one where they were going to disassemble him and he ch- tried to quit Starfleet and then he just, yeah, he has a little tiny suitcase. I guess in a future where you can like replicate anything you need most of the time, you don't have like a ton of 
possessions. Clothes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't see laundry being done in the future. Can we just assume that they kind of disintegrate everything and then you replicate new clothes? Oh. I feel, yeah. I, I feel like they just step into a machine and it just replicates clothes on you. It like spray tans clothes on you. I don't know about you guys. I wasn't sure whether or not Kirk was pretending that this time around the spores got to him and he had like a plan up his sleeve. But no, he was really infected. Yeah. And he was really about to go join them. And then like, I don't get what happened. He He's about to beam down and then he just like closes his eyes really hard and he's like, no, no, I'm resisting. And then he hits the table and then he snaps out of it. And then he's like, oh, strong, violent emotions negate the fact of the spores. And then he's like, I have to go piss everybody off. And he's off. like, it's and... fucking purge time, motherfuckers. <laughs> it, I just didn't get like how he was able to resist it. It, it's, it, it doesn't matter. No, it was definitely it. contrived. Because he's a straight white man. Duh. He yeah. can do whatever he, he wants. He, oh, I think one of my notes is he uses his, his straight white man anger. <laughs> That's what protected him. Must harness my white male rage. Ugh. I have no barriers in my way. Uh, but I'm so mad that everyone else claims that they do. Why can't they just be as good as me? Why did everybody have to buy GameStop stock? Don't they know that talking about that on the internet is cheating? Did you? And then so after this, right? Uh, Kirk like lures um, Spock mm-hmm. up to his ship. It's apparently a very famous Star Trek scene because they actually fight. And Kirk calls him every horrible name. It was like a two minute long just chain of insults because he's trying to get Spock's goat and get him pissed off. I thought he had he had way too many insults up his sleeve. Just in the Spock. barrel. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been like it would have been funny if Spock's like, Kirk, I'm back, I'm back. You half breed computer subhuman. No, Kirk, I'm back. It's me. And then Kirk just has <laughs> comes out of like this fugue state, like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I really needed that. That was good for me. <laughs> Oh, I just, I feel so relaxed. It's like that massage I got on Rise of Seven, you know, just totally cleansed. Thank you, Spock. It was like that one time that Spock actually gave him a massage. Yeah. (laughs) They, the fight itself, like, apparently most of it was filmed with doubles. I need to go back and watch it because I didn't check it. I didn't really see it the first time, but it's apparently pretty obvious that it's not, um, Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner fighting. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Uh, let me just rush. There's like not that much left. They plan that they're going to use radio waves over the planet to neutralize the spores. They go and do that. Everyone on the planet starts fighting. Um, Sandoval and McCoy start fighting. And then this is one of my favorite parts is when McCoy and Sandoval was, was fighting. You, you can take it. Cause it's like the penultimate scene. Yeah. I loved it. Well, just Sandoval comes up to McCoy and Sandoval says, what are you going to do? We don't need any doctors. Everyone's perfectly healthy. And McCoy's like, fuck you. I'm a doctor. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to put you in a hospital. We'll see what healing you need real fast. And then my favorite line is, uh, McCoy says, you better make me a mechanic. Then I can treat little tin gods like you. And then they get in a fight. I just love that. That was such a great, such a great line. They were fighting about how to make mint juleps. (laughs) You got to muddle the mint before you put in the bourbon. I use simple syrup. No, you got to stick a pound of mint. Uh, No, no, not simple syrup, you fool. Granulated sugar. Ah, no. (laughs) 
uh, they both snap out of it, and then um, Sandoval calls up Kirk, and he's like, I think it's time that we get transported off the planet as soon as possible. Yeah. Oh, and I love and then, how uh... Sandoval just regrets everything. Like, he's like, my God, we've done nothing here. <laughs> he's, like, so disappointed in themselves. They're like, we've built nothing. It's, oh, I have so many. But, like, okay, I'll save it. I'll save it. For my grand theory at the end. Well, the other thing that's kind of a bummer is like they, ha- you know, the closing line is usually like Spock makes a joke and they have a little guffaw between Spock and Kirk. Well, this mm-hmm. time Kirk's like, so what was it like? You know, blah, blah, blah. And Kirk's like, or Spock goes, I don't know, but it was the first time I was happy. And then that's just the closing line. I was like, Jesus, fuck, that is super depressing. Like that is very bleak. <laughs> yeah. It goes, McCoy's like, not the first time man has been thrown out of paradise. And then Kirk's like, maybe we weren't meant for paradise. Maybe we were meant to struggle our own way through. And then Spock's like, I was happy. And then the yeah, episode that's just the end. ends. Kirk's like, shut up, faggot. <laughs> um, the, yeah, and the only other thing, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but basically Spock breaks his ex-lovers or whoever... Like he breaks her heart and then like she comes out of it or whatever. Yeah. And then, and then they're like, Oh, we fixed everything. Yeah. Um, But, uh, and yeah, we can talk about, I think we want to talk about this now, but Kirk is like, yeah, maybe we were meant to struggle and we were meant to claw our way up, scratch every inch of the way. Maybe we can't stroll to the loot. We must march to the beat of the drums. And I'm like, nothing that happened in this episode, like, leads to that conclusion, right? Like, no. it's not like these people were in danger or, like, they were, you know, the life was being sucked out of them, right? Like, no. it's not like they're, they were just, like, happy and, I mean, productive. It's well, just insane. And, like, even the guys are, like, they get there and they're, like, well, there are farms, but they're, like, yeah, we grow just enough that we need to eat. We're not making any extra. And then after the jizz effects wear off, they're like, oh, my God, we haven't done anything. We could have been making five times as much. And I'm like, why? You clearly, you yeah. said you were just making as much as you need. When when it's revealed to Kirk, like, Captain, they're only making enough food that they need to survive. There's, like, really dramatic music and, like, the, the camera, like, pans to Kirk's face. And it's like, why, why is that dramatic? Yeah. What do you want them to do? They're not overproducing. I couldn't tell if this episode was supposed to be like, hooray, capitalism, hooray, boomer mindset, life is striving and work and just greedily acquiring all that you want and more than you could ever need so no one else can have it. Or if like the audience was supposed to disagree with Kirk. Mm hmm. Like, I, I don't think so. I think it's pretty clear that we disagree with Kirk. And we're like, yeah, mm-hmm. these spores seem great. Why wouldn't you let these colonists live this way? And they have essentially become superhuman. They could now, you know, exist in terrains they couldn't have before. This is great. But I don't yeah. know if contemporary audiences would feel that way. I would take this devil devil's deal. I'd let a plant jizz in my face to oh. have... 100%. Like, I imagine yeah. that those people wake up in the morning and their backs don't hurt. Like, their neck doesn't crack like 12 times as they move around. Mm-hmm. It'd be like being a 19-year-old again. I mean, no one wanted to go back on it once the effects had worn off. So that that's the only thing that makes me go like, oh, they probably weren't 
like they were like a shadow of their their former selves and the the drug was doing the talking for them maybe i don't know but i hear what you guys are saying mm-hmm. uh i don't think kirk really had a right to rip them away from that yeah and it did seem that there was like a hangover for a lot of people where they like missed it and i really liked that that was like that was a nice touch i <laughs> i'm when i was watching it i was just like kirk is so wrong like i don't get this this is the lander episode but like not as intensely strong and then i was like wait if this was tng you know we'd have some you know insightful speech from picard at the end where he's like who are we to say what happiness is you know we have to pursue it whatever way we can we're not going to interfere with this planet or whatever i think picard would have pulled those people out i don't think so i think he would have been like it's not harming them or at the very least, there would have been a scene where he like argues with Crusher about it or something. Well, but but let's let's say like these people did have a sin where there was a scene where Sandoval and Layla are talking about everybody, and they're like, "So you love Spock? Maybe he should join us." And she's like, "Yes, he will join us." So there was a little bit of a um, what's it called when you assim- there was a lot of like assimilation mm-hmm. mindset going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't as bad, like, I think the Landru episode, you could tell that it was bad, right? Yeah. Because, one, they're kind of just, like, complete zombies. These people seem to have, like, agency and a personality. And also, you had to purge as well. So that was a drawback, where people are getting, like, killed and maimed in and certain ways. And in that one, there's the scene where his daughter comes in and is like, oh my god, what have I done? Yeah, and she's all freaked out, and yeah. yeah, she's not having a good time after the purge. So so I feel like it's a bit more justifiable in the Landrew episode to break up that utopia than this one. I wonder, like, in a version of this episode where the, the power of the spores was softened a little bit, where they just had a frank conversation, and they're like, hey, listen, the reason we're not dying is because we were infected with the spore, I personally feel so much happier and my family is happy and we like each other and we're productive and we just, we like this planet. I understand it's not natural, yeah. but it's, it's, it's the best thing to ever happen to me in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make you get infected, but please don't take us away from this place. Yeah. I wonder how Kirk would have reacted in that. that would, see, that would have been a much more interesting one. And then he has to like deal with his crew and like try to keep them from deserting or something. But Kirk would still be like, fuck you, this is the plant talking. Yeah, but then what if McCoy is like, but look, look at this man. He had an appendix out and it regrew. He's perfectly healthy. Or like, oh, you know, I know one of these colonists and he had cancer. He's probably not alive. And the guy's like, I am alive. I got to see my granddaughter grow up. And he's like, why would we take that away from this guy, you know? Well, I think the plants might sterilize everyone because there's no children that we see on this planet. Well, we haven't seen any children on any planet except for the planet that's all children in the episode that shall not be named. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I This episode becomes much more compelling if it's left open, if the ending is left open and ambiguous, because then it does become this kind of complex debate and it's interesting. But if you just are like, hippies are dumb, capitalism is good, bleh, and you give it a straight reading then it it really collapses in and just becomes like a retelling of the Landry one yeah i could see a version of this episode where aliens land on earth and they're like 
doing the same shit where they're like, so you need to take caffeine in the morning to be happy and alcohol in the evening to be happy. <laughs> no, we have to take these things away from you. You're not living the life of struggle. And everyone just goes and insane. Yeah, <laughs> that's when the humans revolt. Or like a version of this episode where there's like two species living on a planet and they're like, yeah, you know, when they first came here during my mother's age, the aliens said that if we bonded with them, you know, all our bodies would be pain free and we just have a head growing out of our neck. And most people wouldn't do it at first because it was weird, but now we really like it. And that's why everyone has chosen to bond with an alien and have an alien growing out of your neck. Like it's essentially a mushroom and it's fine. Uh, and just see that. And then Kirk's like, I understand that, but can you please stop kissing each other? <laughs> yeah, Kirk's just like totally revolted. And he's just like, how can you be happy and healthy all the time? Just runs around punching them all in the face and the tiny alien face. <laughs> I don't have inner peace, so you can't either. No one can have it. I'll I'm take, I'll take all your inner peace. It's mine. I'm peed it in the bank, and you can't have it. And I'm going to tell everyone else later how children these days don't want to work. There was a, in the first chapter of this episode, liquor was supposed to cure everybody. So there's a scene where liquor, Kirk is trying to shove liquor down Spock's throat, bring him back. That's hilarious. Well, if that was true, then... McCoy would have been immune from the effects. Yeah. I know. I think that the mint julep probably wasn't in the first draft. Yeah. That's a good MacGuffin, though. You got to find that mint julep. I was just going to say, you got to find that mint julep. Sounds like a good catchphrase for yours, for you, Clint. Just got to find the mint julep to get you through your day. Well, I I got to have my, my glass of Tranya in the morning. Ah, the I Tranya. I just don't have the, the courage to, to get through my day. The trend, yeah. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. And until we see you next time, keep on trekking.